0: So it is my honor. Mick hit me up about 5 o'clock and said, so you want to introduce me? And I was like, sure. And I think it startled him because he probably thought I was going to say no. And then he kind of tried to, I think, take it back. And I was like, no, I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to introduce him. So um, I've had the privilege of working with Mick here at the church for the last three and a half years. Um, We've worked together on different projects. Um, I've seen... um, he, he does a lot behind the scenes that you don't know about. Anything that has technology, anything that plugs into a wall, Mick had something to do with it. Um, and without him, we wouldn't be able to produce a service like we, like we do. And, uh, also I've seen lots of growth in him spiritually. Um, he's been very open this year with some spiritual growth. And I think that helped other people grow as well. And, uh, Anyway, so it's my honor to introduce Mick Simpson to minister this evening.
1: Thank you, Tony. I just wanted someone else to squirm with me. Thank you so much for um, being a part of this. Well, good evening. Um, Before I get started, I need to always lay some ground rules. Um, Just a reminder, um, I am learning and I'm growing. This is not perfected um, by any means. Um, I know that many of you know way more about what I'm about to talk about than I do. And that's good. This will just be a reminder for you guys. And so bear with me on that. And then the second reminder that I will try to always do is that this is not a formula. We have an ever-present aide who knows all things and who gives liberal wisdom whenever he's asked so this is about relationships. So if something I say doesn't sound quite right or you don't quite get it or whatever, which is totally possible and it'd be on my end, just ask God. He'll explain it to you because he he knows what I'm trying to say. Um, and so the next thing is I have a question for you. How do you talk about not wrongly judging without judging the people that are wrongly judging, right? Um, I I'll, I'll actually have the answer to that. So... This, this is a correction message, but it isn't for you guys. It's actually for me. It's what my Heavenly Father has been dealing with me. And so I'm just going to walk you through my experience. And if it, if it steps on your toes, that's not me stepping on your toes. That's between you and your Heavenly Father. And um, just take it and go with it. But I will remind everyone that God corrects those that he loves. And so with that, I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus. Father God, Abba Father, you are so precious. You are so precious. Thank you, thank you, thank you for loving us. Lord, we sometimes kid ourselves that we chose you, but you chose us. And you made a way where there was no way. Because of your extravagant love for us. Lord, I pray even now that you open our hearts to hear what you have for us. Me especially, I'm at the front of the line. Father, I want to please you. Help us hear what you have for us tonight. And we just thank you for it. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Um, so I'm going to do something a little bit different than I've ever seen done, I guess. I don't know. Um, And then I've never done it. And so I'm headed towards Romans 14. But I feel like if we just start there, we miss so much of really what is the most important part of the story. And so we're going to do a very quick Romans 1 to Romans 14 journey. My goal is 10 minutes. Um, It's just going to be a few scriptures. The way that I did it in my Bible is I just kind of focused on the headings of each chapter. Some had two, some had three, some had one. Um, and so we're going to fly through it. We're going to have scriptures. If you want a more in-depth look at it, you really need to read Romans. It's, it's a crazy book. It's specifically written to us, the Gentiles. Um, and it, it's basically good news from the beginning to the end. And it, it has a uh, tremendous impact on our lives personally. And so um, with that, we're going to start in chapter one. And the first part is the greeting which I'm not going to read any scriptures from. The next part is God's good news, which is Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. All right, so let's go ahead and skip down to Romans 1, 29. That's where I'm going to start. The next heading was God's angry at sin. So verse 29, it goes, Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, hater of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. I kind of think that part's funny. <laughs> Throw that in there with it. Um, next verse. Um, they may think you, sorry, you may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad. And you have no excuse when you say they are wicked and should be punished. You are condemning yourself. For you who judge others do these very same things. Was that the first? Yep. Okay. Um, so we actually jumped into two. Sorry. Chapter two. That one was God's judgment of sin. Um, Romans 2, one. This one is verse 29. And it's under the heading, the Jews and the law. Um, no, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God and a true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change, a change of heart produced by the spirit and a person who is changed with a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. And so I'm going to take a pause for just a second right there. So in these first couple of chapters, uh, Paul is writing to the Gentiles, and basically what he's saying, and there's a few Jews among them, um, but he's basically saying, listen, if you've broken the law, you've broken the law. And if you're a human, you've broken the law. And if you're expecting for the law to save you, you're in trouble. Because if you break one law, you've broken all the law. And we'll get into it a little bit more. But So I like verse 29. I picked it out because it's like, well, just in case there's that one person that actually obeyed the letter of the law, He's disqualifying them, too, by saying it's more than just obeying the letter of the law, but it actually is a changed heart produced by the Spirit. So even though it's unobtainable to not break the law, even if they had, it wasn't enough because God is doing something different, and it's not about the letter of the law. So we'll go to chapter 3, and it starts with God remains faithful because people need to be reminded at this point because it's talking about sin and all of the, the consequences for sin, but God is faithful, And so then the next heading is um, all people have sinned. And so I'm going to start in verse 20 for that in chapter 3. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. The next heading is Christ took our punishment. The good news starts. So that's verse 21. So the very next verse. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writing of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Hallelujah. Can anyone say amen? amen. All right, chapter 4, the heading is The Faith of Abraham, Ham. and so I'm going to read verse 3. We're familiar with this one. For the scriptures tell us, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. That's a very interesting story. You should read it if you don't know what all it says. All right, next chapter. Um, Chapter 5, the first heading is Faith Brings Joy, and we're going to start in verse 2. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into a place of undeserving privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to to sharing God's glory. The next heading is Adam and Christ Contrasted, verse 17. For the sin of one man, Adam... Cause death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Next chapter. Hallelujah. Sin's power is broken. We're going to start reading verse six. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Next verse. Go back to 6, 7. So, yeah, 6, 6, and 6, 7. There we go. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. All right, chapter 7, no longer bound to the law. I'm going to read verse 4. So, my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who raised who was raised from the dead, as a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. All right. Hallelujah. Um, So we're going to skip down. The next heading was God's law. God's law reveals our sin. We kind of already talked about that. So the next heading is struggling with sin. Verse 18. This was my famous scripture for a long time because I was like, you know what? Paul gets it. This verse uh, 18, "And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't do the wrong, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyways." So let's go to chapter eight. Um, the first heading is, "Life in the Spirit," verse one. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong in Christ Jesus. Verse 2. And because you belong in him, the power of the life giving spirit has feed you, freed you from the power of sin, the power of sin that leads to death. Hallelujah again. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. All right, a little bit farther. The heading is the future glory. And the last heading is nothing can separate us from God's love. Verse 38 and 39. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the power of hell can separate us from God's love. The power, No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. All right, chapter 9, I'm just going to read the headings. Um, It really goes into detail about how God hadn't given up on Israel, even though the focus changed from Israel to the Gentiles. And so the headings are God's selection of Israel, and then the last heading is Israel's unbelief. And so chapter 10, um, salvation is for everyone, is the first heading and the only heading. We'll go to verse 9. If you openly declare declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. And so in Romans, as The first part was convincing us, you know what, we have all sinned. We have all fallen short. And I didn't say it, but in Romans 6, it's for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So there's this contrast of our need for the Savior, for a Savior, for Jesus. And then Jesus shows up, and he does what only he can do. And then as we get to chapter 10 and as we go on, then it comes to our part. So, yes, we have to declare. We have to believe. We have to let people know about our faith. Um, that, that is our response to what God has done. Um, chapter 11, um, it's titled God's Mercy on Israel, which pertains a lot to the fact that he's not given up on Israel and that he has a plan and his plan will be fulfilled. Chapter 12, um, it starts out a living sacrifice to God. And we're going to dive a little deeper here. Is anyone excited about being a living sacrifice to God? All right, we're going to start in verse... Uh, Nine. 12 nine don't just pretend to love others really love them hate what is wrong hold tightly to what is good love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other never be lazy but work but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically rejoice in our confident hope Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. All right, so that is 12. We're going to 13. 13 starts out. The first uh, header is uh, uh, respect authority, um, and we should respect our authority. The next one is love fulfills God's requirement of the law, which is verse 8 through ten. Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's love law of God's law. For the commandment says you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in the one commandment love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirement of God's law. So 14, the chapter we were headed for, that didn't take too long. That was like seven minutes. It always goes faster when you're up here, I think. Um, So Romans 14, it's a very interesting uh, book in the Bible. It, It talks about how we're a living sacrifice, all that God's done, and our response to that. But then it gets into 14, and it really starts even dealing with some theological differences and, and how some people just see things differently and our response for what God has done to those people. And so it, the header starts out, the danger of criticism. And um, I'm going to go ahead and start in verse 1. I don't know if you loaded them all. I didn't highlight it. Accept other believers who are weak in faith. Don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything. But another believer has a sensitive conscience and will eat only vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do. For God has accepted them. Who Are you to condemn someone else's servant? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. In the same way, some think one day is more holy than others, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor him. Those who eat any kind of food do so to honor him since they give thanks to God before they eat. And those who refuse certain, to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to him, to, to God. Give thanks to God. All right. Um, let's skip down to verse 10. It just goes more in detail about that. Um, verse 10, it says... So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scripture says, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me, and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. I know and I'm convinced that it's all good to eat any food you want. All right, we're going to skip down. (laughs) Um, Let's read uh, verse 19. So then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. And so this whole chapter, and it goes into more detail, and you definitely should read it. Um, but it's it's just talking about loving one another, making allowances for one, one another. When it says condemn, it's interchangeable with the word judge. We all have a tendency to judge everyone we see based off of where we're at. And so maybe God showed us something, or God has told us specifically to do something, and we're working on it and we're doing it. But maybe God hasn't told everyone the exact same thing in some areas. And so. We need to be very careful in the way that we look at what other people are doing. And this is something I've been working on a lot, because the way you judge will determine how you love. Because if you judge that someone is in error or someone is malicious in their intent or their motives or this or that, then you feel like, well, I don't have to love um, because I judge that they're, they're in the wrong. And so it's their problem, not mine. Has anyone ever thought that? or is it just me? I, think, I used to think that a lot. Um, we'll go ahead and finish Romans. Um, in 15, um, it says, living to please each other, verse 2. It says, we should help each other do what is right and build them up in the Lord. And then at the very end, Paul's reasoning for writing in verse 14 and 15, he said, I am fully convinced, as I am, my dear brothers and sisters that you are you you all are full of goodness you know these things so well that you can teach each other all about them even so i have been bold enough to write these write about these sorry i have been bold enough to write about some of these points knowing that all you need is that all you need is this reminder and so this is just a reminder that it is so important for us to walk in love to one another. And tonight's message I titled, Judge Like Jesus. I was trying to be creative. Um, and so I'm going to uh, read a couple more scriptures. Um, we're going to start in John's 5.22. And also a good book, and you should definitely read it. Um, but what's happening is Jesus is kind of being challenged in his authority and buffeted by Pharisees and religious religious leaders of the time um, go ahead and put it up yeah in addition the father judges no one but instead he has given the son absolute authority to judge and just a few verses later go down to uh, chapter 12 verse 47 and 48I will not judge those who hear me but do not obey me for I have not come sorry for I have come to save the world and not to judge it but all who reject me and my message will be judged on the day of judgment by the truth I have spoken. And so my point is that Jesus, you know, I, I, I've thought a lot over the last month about how Jesus handled people, how, how Jesus interacted with the sinners and with the uh, prostitutes and the tax collectors and the... Uh, the people with issues, the, the sick people that needed doctors, and how he interacted with the uh, Pharisees and the stat- Sadducees and the religious leaders of the day. And it's, it's kind of night and day difference. He, uh, he often seemed very hostile towards the religious leaders, although there are exceptions. Nicodemus, I mean, he, he loved them too, but it was a different tactic. Um, and he, he wasn't all of every, everything that Jesus did I assure you, was on purpose. Every word that he spoke, every tone that he took was on purpose. And the purpose was always the same. And it was that, that, that people would find him ultimately, find life, find salvation. And he was steadfast in it. And so he took every opportunity that he had to look at a situation and say, what, what can I do to lead this person in the right direction? And sometimes it was just listen. Sometimes it was nil on the ground and not make eye contact. Sometimes it was spit and make mud and put it on people's eyes. Sometimes it was um, yell at them or throw over the, the money exchange tables or make a whip and hit people or things or something. Um, it, it was often random and it was often um, night and day difference depending on the situation. But he was on track and on purpose about doing his father's business. And that is simple. He was there to save the world. Thank God, because we're a part of the world. And his request of us in response to all that he did for us is simply the same. You love the same way I loved. And that is how we change the world. And so um, I'm going to go to Matthew. Because it ends with a caution that I think is very important. I have my scriptures on one page and my notes on the other, so it's not endless pages, I promise. All right, so Matthew 7. Um, it starts with Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't even see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. So here is the caution. So anytime... I've taught on judging actually a lot in youth a long time ago. Um, But anytime you talk about not judging... There is the side of it that we're told to judge. And it's, uh, it is, uh, 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 we'll, and we'll get into it in just a second, but um, there is a place, and we can use a different word. We're not, ca- we're not called to condemn ever. That is between God and them. We are called to be life givers and encouragers and builder uppers. But there is, where, there is a place for discernment to come in. And I feel like this is a very strange scripture um, but I feel like it is simply talking about that we need to have wisdom. And yes, it's good. It's important not to judge, because it directly affects us, like the previous scripture says. But it also says, don't waste what is holy on people who are, who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to the pigs. They will trample the pearls and then attack you. And so, you know, I'm not a Bible scholar. I didn't go to Bible college, and I'm pretty simple, but what that simply says to me is that we need discernment, and, and we need to be praying, and we need to be led, because we're not supposed to condemn, but there are some people that, that God is not going to put me across their path, and I might want it to be me that it shows love, and shares the burden, and builds them up, but for whatever reason, and God, God knows, and I don't, I have to trust him and I have to listen to him. And it could be a situation where, you know, you're walking in love and you're making allowances and, and you're just being ran over. That there again, you're wasting holiness on something that is unholy and you need to have wisdom. And so I would encourage everyone that if you feel like you're in a situation where love is not working, um, you're doing everything you can, but it just, it's more than you can bear then find someone you trust, not Facebook. Don't go gossip but find someone you trust and, and get godly counsel because and, and, there is wisdom in a, in a multitude of counselors. Um, just a little farther down in Matthew 15, it says you can ju- judge a tree by its fruit. Um, and in that particular passage, it's specifically talking about uh, false prophets when it starts. you know, It's saying that if you hear a teaching and it doesn't sound right and the fruit doesn't look good, it probably isn't right and don't eat the fruit. Um, but it applies to people too. I uh, I like I don't like, but I'm very familiar with the story in First and Second Corinthians um, because Paul actually writes and says they need to kick a person out of the church, which pretty hardcore actually um, to kick someone out of the church. Um, It's found it starts in First First Corinthians five and it's several verses, but let's look at verse five. And so, basically, he said, you need to kick the person out of the church, and here's why. Then you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan, which sounds pretty bad, so that his sinful nature will be destroyed. Still sounding pretty bad. And he himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. So, it's not a bad thing. It's uh, it's strategic. It's God-led. Right before that, they talked about getting all the church together and praying and cast out demons. I don't know what they did, but they, they were on purpose and they were led by godly counsel and wisdom um, and it, it worked actually um, because in 2 Corinthians, um, in 2, it's in 5 and 8, he's like, okay, okay, let him back in. He's changed. Uh, he's grown. Now you need to forgive because they were holding unforgiveness towards him and uh, you need to reaffirm your love for him, which is verse 8. And so there is... There is wisdom in verse 11 in, the, in 1 Corinthians. It says, don't even sit with someone who is an open, who, who is not just struggling with sin. That's not what it's talking about at all. And it's actually not talking about people in the world sinning, but a, a believer, a Christian brother or sister that is openly sinning and saying it's no big deal. This is okay. This is this is acceptable. Because it talked about how that way of thinking can pollute other people's thinking and it leads to no good which we all completely understand um wow time does fly (laughs) pastor margaret ain't kidding okay so um i want to close with a 15 minute closing because pastor margaret taught me well um a story that we've uh actually been hearing a lot and it's, it's Mick Simpson's personal paraphrase of the story. And it's the Good Samaritan story. Um, so you can go ahead and go to Luke 10, verse 25. And I'll start by reading it. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus and ask him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Next verse. Jesus is pretty smart. I don't know if you know that or not. He replied, not an answer, but a question. What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? Next verse. The man answered, correctly by the way, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength, and all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Next verse. Right, Jesus told him. Do this, and you will live. Next verse. The man wanted to justify Jesus. His actions. The man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, who all can I disqualify as my neighbor? Because I would like most people not to be my neighbor. Uh, Who is my neighbor? And so Jesus told a story, and I'm going to modernize it. And I got a volunteer to be part of the story, and then I brought someone in without permission to be the other part of the story. And so, Pastor Margaret, you don't mind being part of our story, do you? That's good. So, picture this. Modern version of the Good Samaritan story. And Pastor Margaret is not the Good Samaritan. Because she happens to be the priest. Sorry. Um, So, Pastor Margaret is out for a walk. And lo and behold, she sees Johnny. No Johnny that we know. um, Laying there. And she thinks... I told Johnny last week he needed to be in church more. That's all the help he needed. Or maybe she said, if I told him once, I've told him a thousand times, if you stay on that path, you're gonna, it's going to lead to the mess, and look what happened. And off she walks, feeling justified that she did her part. Pastor Margaret would never do that, but she's the priest in this story. And to be fair, I'll be the next person. So it's like someone that works for the church. Then I walk down the street, and I come upon poor Johnny. I'm like, do I smell alcohol? Hmm. Well, maybe he'll learn his lesson. Uh, Maybe it's not the alcohol, but maybe I see tattoos and piercings, and I think, eh, that can't be a good lifestyle choice. Or maybe there's some broken paraphernalia on the ground, um, but whatever it is, I decide, I judge the situation, and I determine that his fate is of his own making. Maybe finally he'll learn his lessons, and I walk on by justified. And then comes Roger, who's Anthony. Then comes Anthony. Let me tell you a little bit about Anthony. <laughs> He's a mess. <laughs> Sorry, Anthony. I told you it's going to be bad. <clears throat> He's made every bad decision that you can make. Life has been hard. It's not been fair. But recently, (laughs) I cried when I was right by myself. So recently, Anthony encountered Jesus of Nazareth in his village because he's a Samaritan, and Jesus happened to recently be at a village. the Samaritans and many in his village had met Jesus and accepted him as the Messiah the Savior of the world Jesus had told Anthony about a water that would cause a person to never thirst again and Anthony wanted a part of that that when Anthony drank that water it would be a fresh bubbling spring up within him and that it would lead to eternal life So that day, Anthony committed his life to Christ, to be a Christ follower, to show love at every encounter as a response to the love that God had showed him. So when Anthony sees poor Johnny beat down on the side of the road, broken, he remembers he himself was recently very helpless. And not just recently, but most of his life. And he himself was broken. And he himself had made some messes in his own life that were his own fault. And he was moved with compassion to do for that man what Christ had done for him. To show love, no matter the cost, no matter how unlovable the person seemed, or whether they deserved it or not, he was going to show love. I don't know if you know this or not, but we are all Anthony's. And Christ has done something for us that we could never do. And all he asks in return in a response for that love. And that's, that's the only way we can show love to people like he asks us to. It has to be in a response to the love that he's shown us. And, and we judge the situation like Christ would. Full of compassion. Full of mercy. Full of grace. Knowing that but for, for the grace of God, there go I. <laughs> and so um, what I want you to walk away with, because Eugene said I need to have a walk away point. I don't know where he's at. He already walked away. Um, trying to read through tears. All right. Um, it's not our place to judge what's going on in a person's life their motives, their, their intentions, their struggles, their burdens. What our, what, our, what our role is, what our response needs to be, is to look at the situation, judge it with compassion, and say, how can I help? There's a burden. People that are hurting, people that are struggling. struggling. The, the Jewish man, he was a brother. He was a Jew. I mean, he, he had a problem, and he needed help, and there was things he couldn't do for himself. And all God wanted to do was to send someone across His path that would share the burden, lighten the load, do whatever it took. A lot of times as Christians, the number one thing we need to do is not talk and listen. And it's hard because we think we know all the answers. We think, well, if you would just read this scripture or you just, uh, you know, say, memorize this scripture or you'd be in church more, you'd whatever solution we think is magical pill where really they just need a friend. They need someone to, instead of looking at them and judging, determining, condemning, well, this is their own fault. Instead of that approach, they think, man, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? And so that is my encouragement to everyone here, is to look for opportunity to share the burdens of especially our brothers and sisters. Um, if you see uh, if you see someone maybe missing the mark, sinning, um, this is my struggle, uh, and you're like, eh, you know better, you know where it leads, you know, just maybe maybe they need to get maybe they need real help, maybe you need to get them checked into a place, or maybe maybe they need to get plugged into a Bible study, or I don't know the solution, God does, and He will use you to bring it to them if you allow Him to, um, but that really is. You not judging the situation in the condemning way, saying, eh, not my problem. That used to be my favorite thought, not my problem. But it, it is our problem because we are called to love one another. Um, and just, just the last thing is, whatever we do, make sure it's always building one another up. That is so important to our Father. Build one another up. Don't, don't tear down. So often when we see a situation, we have good intentions, but we, we lie, align ourselves with the voice of the accuser of the brethren, and we, we just beat them up with their words, just telling them over and over all the dumb th- stuff they're doing. They already know that part. They don't know what to do not to. And so just look at it and how can I build this person up? How can I share this burden? So That's all I have.
0: It has been our honor to offer this message today. If you would like to partner with us as we
1: continue to bring the word of God, we would ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Victory Center with a financial donation. You may do so today via the online giving portal at victorycenter.org.
0: thank you.